Did you know that the judge is the saboteur that affects everyone? It constantly criticizes you for your flaws or failures, forewarns you about potential dangers, keeps you up at night worrying, and makes you fixated on what is wrong with the people in your life. Hello, Action Taker. Welcome to Live Blissed Out, a podcast where I have inspirational and informational conversations with business owners and subject matter experts to help you get the scoop on a variety of topics. Tired of hesitating or making decisions without having the big picture? Want to be in the know? Then this is the place to go. I'm your host, Marissa Houston, helping you achieve bliss through awareness and action. So let's get to it. In this episode, Yvette Gonzalez-Flower shares tips on how to grow your mental muscles in challenging times. Yvette is a certified leadership coach with the International Coaching Federation, as well as a positive intelligence coach. She is a recovering perfectionist, lifelong high achiever, corporate veteran, top producing sales executive, and mother to three teens. She provides the coaching framework, tools, and the space for growth so her clients can get more done in 12 weeks than most do in 12 months. Yvette partners with high-achieving business owners, entrepreneurs, and sales executives who are in the frenzy of juggling their career and their personal life to avoid burnout and live with great intention. She was able to work part-time and make a six-figure income as a commission trade show executive. She understands personally the difference between being an overachiever and a high achiever. To sign up for her programs and to learn more, visit iflowersolutions.com. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. Yvette, it's so nice to have you here today. Thank you, Marissa. It's so good to be here. I get excited with every guest, and you are no exception. Would you explain to our listeners what we're going to be talking about today and how it might help them? Definitely. I am so excited to share with your listeners today how to grow their mental muscles, especially in challenging times. That's a good one. And I think we can all use that. (laughs) I use it every day, girl. I hear you. You hear those buzzwords all the time, things like improving your mental capacity, getting out of negativity, your mindset. These are words that we hear frequently, but I don't know that people really understand what that means. I like to define things very clearly for our listeners. Perhaps you can explain more thoroughly what you mean by that. Yes. So the idea that our mind is sabotaging us and positive intelligence has done research in just that on how our mind works. And there was a study with 500,000 participants that showed that the brain has this plasticity to it, which means it's like a muscle. So if you think of those little grooves in your brain, I visualize it this way. You know that car from the game of life, that little tiny car? Did you ever play that game? Yes. I love that game. That car is going down the groove of my brain. And if the natural path of my thought pattern is stress, anxiety, overwhelm, that is going towards the left side of our brain, which is also the fight or flight. I'm sure you've heard of that, right? Yes. So if that little car is on autopilot and you are finding yourself that it's always in that, I should have done it this way, or I can't believe that I did that, that inner critic, that anxiety, that stress, the shame, all that, that's going on the left side of your brain. Now, if you can picture being that mental muscle in your brain where now I'm commanding it to go to the right side of the brain so the car can start making its groove 
on autopilot moving to the right, that's the part of the brain that produces cortisol, that gives us that peace, that joy, that calm, even when times are challenging. Because as you know, when you get older, you start to realize life doesn't get easier. You just have to get better at it. There's challenges thrown at us, whether it's from teenage children, which is where I get to practice on a regular basis. If you're wearing a lot of hats as a caregiver for your parents, if you're an entrepreneur, if you are with your partner or in a meeting, a sales call or a business meeting, there's always going to be challenges being thrown at us. So why not learn how to improve that mental muscle so that you have peace and calm? And before you get to that decisive action of whatever needs to happen with that challenge, well, there's a few steps along the way before you can get there. So you can get there with joy and peace. I love that metaphor. I could visualize it so clearly when you explained it, because here's the thing. Life is like a road with lots of twists and turns. You have a GPS, essentially, you think you're going in one direction, and then you come across a traffic jam and it's like, whoops, I got a detour. Yeah. It sounds to me like the mind has all these little tracks in its head and it wants to go in a certain way, and it's up to the driver to steer it in a different direction. Otherwise, you end up clogged in that traffic jam. Just to have that visualization to say, you do have control. There are things you can do to put yourself in a better road. Yes, that's exactly it. I'm so glad that message resonated. I love metaphors for that reason, because it really helps you identify what you're trying to accomplish. So now that we understand what that is, sometimes I feel like it's easier said than done. You wake up in the morning and you set yourself up to say things are going to go well. And then you get a phone call or a complaint or your child is doing something that you didn't want. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I was so excited to start this day and now it's not looking so good anymore. And it's hard to maintain from that point. Yes. Okay. So in the past, I was that high achieving sales executive who had a lot of focus on details and I was working in trade shows. And it's very time consuming, very high demand on your time. You have to focus on the details and the attention. There's like a lot of moving parts, whether or not the shipper will get everything or will get the booth to the show, whether that thing you just updated is getting there on time, whether it's being set up properly. Like there's so many moving parts to this that I would get out of bed and immediately start checking emails checking with everyone about certain projects, getting the kids out the door, driving and having a phone call, getting there, and then meeting after meeting after meeting, skipping my lunch, not drinking any water so that I could be at pickup and drop off and still get six hours in the day in between the school schedule. That was me. I could function that way. And I did function that way for a very long time. I excelled at it. I made really good money. And as a matter of fact, I worked part-time and made full-time sales numbers because I was laser focused and I was able to get things done. However, when you are moving at that rate and you are always doing this and you always feel like you are behind the ball, like the dishes were never quite done. There was always something to be done in between that call or getting out the door or whatever it was. It just seemed like I had too much going on. I was wearing too many hats. I actually had a wake-up call where I couldn't remember simple words to keys was the big thing that I, one day when I woke up and I said to my husband, I'm holding the keys in my hand. And I said, what are the words to this again? There was so much chatter going on in my mind that I couldn't function. I wasn't sleeping. 
And so I had to see two doctors. One was a neurologist to make sure there wasn't anything wrong with my memory. And the other was at a sleep study to see what was keeping me up. And basically what came back was, you got too much going on. I would imagine. Yes. And one of the doctors held my phone in his hand and he said, this is the problem. This is controlling your day. When someone emails you, you respond, you take care of it. You drop everything you need to drop to get to the next thing. And you're not taking care of your health or your well-being. So I had to stop that and make my well-being a priority. So now, instead of doing those things, and mind you, there are times where I pick up the phone and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to check one email. Well, 10 emails later, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I'm still working on some of these things. But the main thing is when you get up in the morning, you can do what is called a PQ rep. It means positive intelligence quotient. It is where you get a 10-second hyper-focus on one of your senses. As you're sitting in your seat right now, I can envision you're sitting down right now and and your listeners may be uh, sitting down or standing. You can just pause for a second, take two deep breaths in and out, in and out, and you can focus on your senses. So if you are sitting down, focus on the lower part of your body as it's sitting on the chair. So you can feel that weight. You can also take two fingers and rub them against your thumbs. So you can feel the ridges of them as you're breathing. Did you feel a difference? Absolutely. Some people feel this immediately. If it didn't feel like anything immediately, then you have other senses you can activate. You can do the listening one, which I like. If you're out and about on a walk, listen to the furthest thing away as you're breathing in and out, and then listen to the closest thing as you're breathing in and out. So these are ways to activate that right side of your brain and move away from that fight or flight. And even that at the very beginning of your day helps. However, what I do and what I teach a lot of my clients to do is you sprinkle these in throughout the day. Because just like you said, you wake up and you think everything's going great. You've probably done some meditation, some visualization, whatever it is, some mantra to get you up and running. And then at 12, you're already annoyed. (laughs) I always like to think it's a fresh slate. I don't know what's coming. And I just like to start the day thinking, oh, it's going to be good, you know, and then (laughs) things turn in a different direction quickly. Life happens. Life happens. And so if you're in that board meeting and you're annoyed by the person who's presenting, rub your fingers together underneath the desk and just take a deep breath and calm that nervous system to the point where you're not in your mind going, oh my God, this is so stupid. I've got a million and one things to do. Why are they wasting my time? And you're not even really there anyway. That is a way to do that. And then the positive intelligence app that kind of guides you through this. You don't do this on your own. It guides you through these. You can decide to do at least 15 minutes a day. I actually start off with at least 15 minutes in the morning. And then I do two minutes in the middle of the afternoon, two minutes by three o'clock, and then five minutes to end my day just so that I can be centered again and understand that even when that challenge is coming on me, that I have a way to calm myself and control my reaction and my response to what's happening. Why do you think these exercises help? And what are some of the things we can expect to experience when we do this on a regular basis? So if you think of the idea of putting your hand on a hot stove, that's another metaphor for negative emotions. Those emotions are there to alert us about something. Like this doesn't feel right. I'm annoyed by this, or I'm angered by this, or something is happening that just triggers something in you. So think of it as an alert. 
you want to keep your hand there long enough for the alert, but the rest of the time you want to take your hand out. Otherwise, guess what? You're going to get burned. So if you think about those negative emotions where we sit in them, or maybe it's that victim mentality where something happened to us and we just can't get over it, and we keep replaying it in our mind, it's only hurting you. It's not hurting the person you're really upset about. I think going back to your question about how does that help us, when you're aware that it's happening, you don't keep your hand on that stove very long. The response that you're there is shorter and shorter and shorter. It's not that bad things are never going to happen to us. It's how long are we going to stay in that left side of our brain, that fight or flight side that gets us anxious. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. And I'm glad you explained that too. I call it dwelling. That's the word that just comes to my mind every time there's something that bothers me and it just goes on and on. And I go back to telling myself, don't dwell. Being so obsessed with it for that long a period of time is not helping. No. But I have to tell myself that and I use that word to myself. But what I like about this exercise is I don't have to say that. I can just take my fingers and rub them and just get that sense. Breathe in, breathe out and realize that you're refocusing your energy, refocusing your mind somewhere else so that you're not obsessing essentially with that one thing that's really not going to help you. Well, and you hit the nail on the head when you said energy. So the reason why we don't want to stay there is when you're in that left side of the brain and by the middle of the day, if you're exhausted and you haven't been physically working in a demanding job that physically your energy drained, it's really then your mental energy that's causing that drain. So the longer you stay in there, it does affect your energy. It also affects obviously your heart, especially women. We have one of the largest percentages for heart attacks because we carry the stress very differently than men do. And so I didn't want to have to, in 20 years, realize that this whole time in working on that left side of my brain, that it's been making my heart work so much faster that now it's not doing what it needs to do. I don't want to get there and go, oh, you mean I could have just been calm and breathed through these stressful situations and eliminate some of these situations, and then I would be okay, not have to deal with that medical condition, right? It affects you if you stay there for too long. Yeah, that makes total sense. What kind of positive changes will come as a result of this? Burnout is the big thing. That's going to reduce that burnout. It's going to minimize stress. It's going to help you maximize performance. A lot of athletes use this technique because right when they're about to make that big shot or that big play, their bodies get excited too. Like, oh my gosh, what if I miss this? Or what if I screw this up? They can't go there. They have to be focused. And so when they do that, then they maximize their performance. And so just like athletes would use a tool like this, we could use a tool like this, even as a mom, even as a caretaker, as a whatever it is that you want to do in your personal professional life. And then it also minimizes conflict when we're working with difficult people. And you would be surprised on how this technique helps when you're on the other line with a family member or you're face to face with them and you know that they push your buttons. You do this and I'm telling you, it will calm you down. There's also other visual things that you could do, like visualizing them as a young child to activate that empathy part of our brain. But I use that on certain family members and I don't feel like I pity them, but I can 
empathize with that child who is now struggling and who is now a difficult person to work with. Yeah, to your point, it's like a different perspective because when we're emotional, we tend to gravitate towards reacting or not even really giving things the thought that they deserve. So we just make assumptions. We start to interact with that person in a different way rather than if you're doing these exercises or you're thinking in a different way, then you're able to put yourself in their shoes. A classic example is if you call customer service and they seem like they don't want to be there. All you have to do is smile, say something nice, make them feel good. And all of a sudden you'll notice how quickly they change their tune because you're putting yourself in their shoes and you're saying to yourself, this person is not having a good day. I know that right now. They don't want to be here. What can I do? How can I make it better for them? Because in turn, when you make other people feel better, they'll reciprocate for the most part. Yes. You're empathizing with them about their day. Man, I bet you've had a rough day or man, it's hard to deal with people like me every day, isn't it? Right. Or you make a joke or something, their guard comes down and now your energy transfers to them as opposed to their negative energy transferring to you. Yes, that is reciprocated in both ways. Absolutely. And it's taking charge of it and turning things around rather than reacting. And you're just basically getting mad at them back. And then what do you expect is going to happen? <laughs> it's not going to go to a good place. That's for certain. Whatever you wanted to accomplish from that call is not going to happen. Yeah. And it's funny because I think we don't realize how much control we really do have over these situations. We just assume that a person's mean to us, so they're terrible and I'm just going to let them know I don't appreciate it. Well, it doesn't help. How can you make the situation better? And I think by refocusing, changing your perception and implementing that in your life, you'll start to see some really amazing results, which that's how you help people. Now that you've explained the PQ and now we have a better understanding, how can people learn more about how you can help them dig deeper into these habits so that they can apply it in their daily lives? They can definitely learn more through visiting my website and kind of understanding the program, how it breaks down. If anyone wants to practice this or understand it a little bit more, I have three strategies that they could use to implement this positive intelligence training into their daily lives. So the first that we had discussed was that awareness. The idea of being in that left side of your brain, if you could just be aware of it, some people like to give it a name. For me, when that judge and that inner critic pops up, I call it Judge Judy. So I say, oh, there goes Judge Judy. And that makes me aware of it, but it also makes a little joke out of it so I don't take myself so seriously. Number two would be to activate that right part of our brain so that we can be at that peace and that calm. And before we get to that activate that I talked about, so take in those breaths and then do either one that you like, the sensation of the vision, the hearing, or, or feeling yourself sitting on your chair. So that number two is activate. And number three is self-command. That self-command piece is so big to understand that like you and I were just talking, you have control of how you feel, what you think, how you respond. If you're feeling like you're still hijacked at that moment because you cannot believe that that person was so disrespectful or you can't believe that this thing just happened to mess up your whole entire day or year, you have to then go back to awareness and activate until you can get that breathing down and get into that central part of your nervous system where you can now think clearly. That self-command is kind of like a loop. We have the power to do that. And that really goes back to one and number two, which makes number three. 
That helps a lot because then you have the three-prong approach. And then if you get to the end and you still need to reflect, then you go back to the first one until you reach that goal. Yes. If anyone wants to find out more, I have a six-week program that I put on on a regular basis. And you could go to my website, iflowersolutions.com to find out when the next session is starting. And I also have coaching that I provide either one-on-one or as a group session. And just think of the idea that the foundation is positive intelligence training and figuring out how to stop sabotaging ourselves. And then I build on that. If you want to increase productivity, if you want to learn about conflict management, if you want to learn about how to become a better leader, things like that, then we could talk about one-on-one coaching or talk about my group coaching sessions to help with that. You mentioned a few things that I know people talk about a lot. They're having challenges with those areas. It really helps us understand, okay, these are some of the things that I'm experiencing and this is the kind of help that I can get for it. Yvette, I can't thank you enough for being here and sharing this with us today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. I had a lot of fun. I did too. Thank you. That's a wrap for this episode of Live Blissed Out. Thanks to Yvette Gonzalez-Flower for joining us and thanks for listening. If you have a question or comment for a future episode, all you have to do is go to speakpipe.com forward slash L-B-O-V-M or click the link in the show notes to leave a brief audio message. If you find value in our show, please visit liveblistout.com to reach out, subscribe, and share on social media. This show is made possible through listeners like you. Thank you. So long for now. And remember to keep moving forward.